episode 37 of Sticky Bits. In today's episode, we chat with Marte from SpeedFit. Marte's business journey has thrown him some curveballs, from pro sport to founding startup SpeedFit while starting a young family. In just eight years, Marte has launched the business from obscurity to fame, forecasting a revenue of $7.6 million this financial year. Listen to our interview with Marte on this week's episode to learn how Marte brought revolutionary health and well-being tech to Oz, appearing on TV across the country and making tough investment calls to optimise SpeedFit's success today. Welcome to Sticky Beak, Marte. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for having me. I got a pretty good brief uh, from the PR agency on this one, and they even put the pronunciation of the name, but I'm Australians in general and me are good at butchering names. So is Marte correct? That's perfect. Uh, there will be no day in Australia, I would say, when I'm not <laughs> expecting my name. So yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, no worries at all. Well, thanks for joining us and you're joining us from Perth today. Yes. Yeah, excellent. How's everything going in Perth? We're currently, I'm in Melbourne and we're in lockdown. I think you guys are just living life as normal, right? Yes, uh, so lucky. So lucky in WA, always sunny and also uh, minimum lockdown. So yeah, so yeah, far so yeah. Let's jump straight into it. Where did you grow up, Marte? I'm originally from Slovakia, which is a small country in uh, in middle of the Europe. Uh, Population-wise, probably like Melbourne. Yeah, gotcha. And did you grow up in like the capital city there or was it more regional? Or uh, It's the second largest city. Uh, so it reminds me a bit of Perth. That's why I love it so much here because it's, uh, it's a very nice city, but not many people know about it. And, uh, and it's not so busy as a capital. So yeah, decent city, 250,000 people living there. Yeah, gotcha. Oh, very nice. And when did you move to Australia? Uh, I came here for business uh, eight years ago. That's when we started the business. I was here before, I think in 2008, first time for 12 months as a kind of like a student or kind of taking a break from life. And that's how I knew that Australia is just amazing place to be. And when we launched the business and it wasn't working exactly as we planned, then I had to move here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let's go a little bit through the growing up in Slovakia because I'm, I'm very interested in that. Um, what were you, when you're going through school, did you have any particular interests or hobbies? Were you a little bit entrepreneurial as a kid? How did, how did that look for you? Uh, yeah, great question then. Uh, I probably was a bit of entrepreneurial in a way. Uh, in terms of hobbies, I was really into sports since a very young age. I actually ended up in a sports school in, a, in Slovakia, which is like a selection school where people from the region coming is like a board school. And my typical training or a week will be uh, like having eight training sessions, each of 90 minutes plus the school. So I probably started day uh, 7.30, in the gym or in the gymnasium playing handball. I actually play handball, European handball, not the one that we play here in Australia in the, uh, in the schools, but the Olympic sport. And uh, I will play that and then I will go to school for a couple of hours and then after school I will go again back to uh, back to sport. So that was pretty much my my time from, I would say, nine-year-old all the way to 18, uh, pretty much heavily into sport. And in terms of entrepreneurial thing, I always wanted to have some sort of more more cash, I will say, 
so I was really into trading things like this. In the 90s, it was a very big thing to kind of uh, trading like mobile phones and things like this. So I was always into that in a kind of like a school hood style, kind of just moving uh, pieces between uh, one point and another and trying to make some extra cash for me so I can uh, enjoy it with my friends. Gotcha. Well, I'll just start on the handball thing. So was that that's the main sport you were playing as you were growing up? Yes, pretty much. My father used to be a handball player, kind of a decent player. And then my older brother started to play it as well. So I kind of naturally follows because I was uh, I had to kind of. And I found that I was quite good at it. So I actually went uh, and ended up playing quite a decent level. Uh, I'm currently actually playing for Australian national team as well. So, uh, yeah, but I used to play it as a professional back in, uh, back in Slovakia. Uh, I finished my career when I was 21, uh, and I just moved on to the on to business. Uh, but yeah, was playing quite serious level over there. Yeah, very cool. It's definitely not as big here, right? But it's and obviously it's hard to trump uh, footy, AFL, and rugby in Australia. Um, but I've actually been to a handball game in Europe. Uh, my partner is Swedish, and I went to a ah. local game there yeah. and. I had like three or 4,000 people in a really small town at the game and it was going crazy and the intensity yep. is pretty impressive. Uh, like I'd seen it on TV and I thought, ah, oh, it's okay, but it doesn't look that, you know, hardcore compared to footy or whatever. But yeah. then when you're there and it's actually pretty physical and like the goalie is getting the ball absolutely pounded at him. It, it was pretty cool to watch. Yes, yes. The, the Scandinavian countries and German-speaking countries are full on. If you go to Germany, it will be 20,000 people watching it. It's massive sport in Europe. And I didn't know in Australia that is not as, as huge. And I didn't even know about the handball uh, in Australia. So I remember my neighbors were asking me what I was doing back in Europe. And I said, I used to play handball as a professional. And they were kind of giggling and they were like, okay. And a couple of years later, they showed me the video on YouTube about the guys playing some sort of handball on the school court. And I was like, I never seen the game and they told they told me i told that you played it as a professional and i was like you think that game I was playing as a professional and they yeah. were thinking that i was like yeah we thought that something weird going on in, in slovakia and yeah <laughs> it's like getting it mixed up with hopscotch basically like a kid's game <laughs> yes 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 yeah and so the entrepreneurial side you were you're trading mobile phones and that sort of thing so we like buying and selling is that what you're doing yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was just kind of trying to to create. I remember when I was like maybe 15, I came to my father with a proposal to provide me with some cash and I'm going to give him back with some with some interest on it. And he was really cool. He, I, If I look at it back now, I would like to do the same thing to my kids. Uh, I remember pitching it to them kind of in a way in the living room to him and my mom. And I was like, look, give me, I think it was maybe like a thousand bucks or something. But I was like, can you give me a thousand bucks? I'll give you back 11, uh, like 1100 in, in two months time or something. Uh, yeah, so things like this. And I will just kind of buy in bulk or something and I will kind of try to make some, some deals and, and sell it back to, to boys in school. How did that go? Was it successful? Uh, not really. I made some money for myself, but I didn't get any return on investment to my father. <laughs> <laughs> I gave him back his thousands, but I said, look, it was pretty tough. I just made his hundred dollars. So if you don't mind, I'll keep the interest for me. <laughs> and he was pretty cool. He said like, okay, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it saved him giving you a pocket change, I guess. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, very nice. And then you went through school and did you go on to a further education after that? 
Yeah, I went. I was always into sport and education as well. I was also reading a lot, a lot of magazines. I was really into politics and and, and overall kind of understanding what's going on around uh, in the world. Uh, so when I finished the, my school, I went to uh, university. I did Bachelor of Public Administration. Uh, it sounds weird, but actually it was really good base for everything what I liked. I didn't like to go to very deep end of something. That school kind of provided me with the basics of a lot of other things. We were having modules of law, economics, uh, kind of psychology, uh, you know, socioeconomics. So a lot of kind of different things, but everything kind of enough to keep my interest up uh, and give me basics of a lot of things. Like I can do accounting, I can understand the taxes, I can understand law so I can do all the contracts and so on. So yeah, it was a really cool school. Sounds kind of like an entrepreneurial course. Kind of like I didn't think at that time I I wanted to go I, I really were interested in the law but I didn't want to go full on law and I couldn't see myself as a lawyer uh, so it was just kind of thing that I've seen as an amazing school it was a bit of challenging to go there I love challenges uh, in our in that school out of probably like thousand applicants they will select hundred fifty people to get in and only around 30, 40 people actually finish the the school uh, so it's pretty much cutting as you go. And I like a bit of challenges. So it took me a couple of years more to finish it because yeah, I think I was doing it for five years, not uh, in the three, but I was already running the business on site as well. Uh, so yeah, I was trying to manage both at the same time. Gotcha. So the business that you'd started at, at that time, what was that one? Uh, that was selling kind of uh, electrical components, more like a surge protectors, if you know what it is, kind of like, when, yeah, uh, it was very odd that I ended up doing that, but pretty much I found myself a job with that company working there as a sales rep for maybe three months when the company went bankrupt. And uh, everyone from the company was kind of like very sad to leave and everyone's kind of very negative. And I was sitting there and thinking, oh, actually I know the supplier. I know the older guys want to buy the stuff. I just know the, knew the guy who was running the business was more electrician than business owner. So I, pretty much pick up the phone and call the supplier uh, in the other country in Czech Republic and ask him if he want to see me. So I, I borrowed some money from my mom, get a car, went to Czech Republic and pretty much pitch them myself that I can maintain their business in our country if they give me the rights to, to sell their equipment in Slovakia. Uh, it was hilarious. The guy was like laughing at me. He was like, you have no idea about the electricity. You have no idea about the business. But he was very experienced. He was really old school. He was probably in his 60s. And he, he told me, but you remind me myself. And I was like that. So I give you like three months to give it a go. You have 60 days credit. Uh, see what you can do up to. He gave me credit like 100,000 Slovakian coins, So maybe like $5,000 or something. And show me what you can do. And that pretty much how it started. So I came back and everyone was looking at me like, ah, you're starting this new business. Like we all get laid off from this company and you're starting the new one. I was like, yeah, that was a gap in the market. So yeah, that's what I did and uh, that's how it started. How old were you at this stage? Uh, 21. 21, gotcha. So you're studying and you saw this gap in the market, you got the connection with the supplier and thought, all right, I'm gonna do this. Yep. So you're 21, you've got this business going, selling surge protectors, which apparently you knew nothing about, but you knew there was a gap in the market. This 60 year old Czech guy has said, uh, yeah, no worries. I'll give you about $5,000 worth of credit. How did it go from there? 
uh, pretty much very good, to be honest. Uh, I made my annual salary probably in the first month, what I used to earn for working for that company. Uh, pretty much because I was as a sales rep, uh, as you, you're right, I didn't know much about the product, but I had the connections. I went there and said, look, I can keep supplying you if you guys want. Uh, they said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, pretty much uh, asked my mom to kind of utilizing her entity for the first 30 days because I didn't have even money to set up my own uh, entity. Uh, yeah, get the supply the product. I was doing it maybe for three months. Then I set up my own company, gained the trust from the from the supplier from the Czech Republic, uh, and he increased my credit, and we pretty much become official uh, like representative for the Slovakian region. And I was doing it for for many years. I think for more, more maybe ten years wasn't really like uh, my passion as much because I was just really trying to understand the business, but this electrician, like these products were not exciting me in a way, but it provided me with the capital to start doing things that I liked more about in a business. So as soon as I gain more money, pretty much I moved into real estate and that's what I always wanted to do back in, uh, back in days and started to buy apartments and selling them and, and doing some uh, yeah, development work. Is it difficult to start a business in Slovakia? I, I get the impression that the way that uh, like the Central European companies, uh, countries rather, are developing so quickly that it must be, they have must have fairly, not loose, but they must make it a bit easier to start businesses and, you know, pursue entrepreneurial enterprises or am I off the mark there? I wouldn't say it's uh, it's easier. When I compare the legislative thing uh, in Australia, it's much easier to set it up. But the difference between having the business and be employed is massive. So the motivation is really, really strong. Uh, when I see here how much, if you're talking money-wise, how much money the business owner compared to great employee makes, the difference is not as huge. In Slovakia, it will be tenfold at least. Like it's it's massive gap between being employee and working for someone versus owning the business. Gotcha. So is there a lot of drive for people to become business owners then based on that? Yes, absolutely. It's changing slightly now because we have a lot of international companies and a lot of companies grow. So they actually pay for the talent kind of big bucks as well. Uh, but in 90s, when I was young, the average income would be maybe $500 a month. Uh, that you could, like Australian dollars a month, that will be like average income. Uh, and then when you own the business, uh, I will be maybe on 5000 a month. Yeah, gotcha. It's a huge difference. Yeah. So you went into doing some real estate stuff. Um, yeah. And then where did things go? Did you keep creating new businesses? Did you keep focusing on that for a while? Where did you go from there? Yeah, we've been in real estate for a while. I was focusing on that. I had another business as well, to be honest, actually, when I'm thinking, yeah, I took the money from that uh, that I made in that uh, search product business and opened one business where we were selling the contracts for uh, telecommunication companies. Uh, I got a contact, a friend of mine who got been in that business and we were asking for a partner to, to fund it. So that's what I did for a bit. Uh, we've done quite a good job. In six months, we grew massively. We opened a couple of offices across Slovakia. Uh, then the, there was a challenge or a change in the law or something that will kind of really uh, destroy the business model. So we, the business was maybe lasting just 12 months, but again, from profit point of view, it was quite really good, strong business. And then I used that cash to really move into this apartment business and, and uh, development and started to do business with another business partner with a friend of mine from the school that we met together 
in our sports school and we are uh, actually also studying together on the public administration university uh, and then we kind of create that model just going and buying the uh, the properties from auctions uh, or doing some redevelopment to make them better and just kind of reselling so very easy very easy business model uh, but the market was really growing. It was before uh, the financial crisis in 2008. So at that time, the property market was, was growing uh, rapidly. So just buying and holding on the property and selling later will straight away kind of generate enough income for you. Gotcha. So you were doing well with a number of businesses at that point. And where did the AMS technology and SpeedFit come into the picture? much later, much later, I will say that in 2000, that was before 2008. So 2008 was a big year that I took one year off and I came to Australia to travel. Uh, I uh, took back then my uh, girlfriend, our wife, Susanna, and we went just kind of uh, venture out for one year around Australia and Asia. And then the GFC happened. So I lost, when I was leaving to Australia, I had like 16 apartments or something like this. I felt like I'm, I'm kind of well off and it's all nice and and sweet and then pretty much the october 2008 hit and i lost like 90 percent of my of my network and uh, and trying to get through australia with all these odd jobs in hospitality and so on to to get by uh and then coming back to slovakia i came across ems for where it was 2011 when when i get injured and that's where i kind of were introduced by my physio to this ems technology uh, and that helped me to recover. Okay. So just give us a, a brief rundown on EMS. Like firstly, what it stands for and yep. how it works. Cause I'm sure majority of people probably aren't aware of it. Yeah. So EMS stands for electric muscle stimulation. So pretty much what it does, it stimulates your muscles. Instead of you, when you're lifting the weight, you need to think about it and you need to engage the muscle first to kind of, uh, yeah, when you're thinking about the contracting as you're lifting, what electromuscle stimulation does, it pretty much stimulates your nerves and muscles directly through the skin. So we have the electrodes on a specific uh, part of your body and they will pretty much stimulate that part of the body and, and create a similar effect as you were lifting the weight, but without any impact on your joints. So it's very, it's, it's amazing technology for people who are looking for a low impact exercise, but also it's very efficient because that contraction will happen if you like it or you don't like it, like it's gonna happen. So many times we go to the gym and you don't just don't feel that you're gonna do it. And you know that this exercise not, or this session in a gym is not the best one. I skip so many exercises uh, or reps. This technology kind of make sure it's gonna happen. If we'll set you up for 20 minutes, and will set you up that every six seconds you're going to have that muscle contractions it will happen if you like it or not so you really can feel that you you've done your workout every time on, at your best got it so you still have to simulate the movement but the ems is basically like the weight without the weight sort of it will works even when you're not moving when you do the correct movement it kind of enhances it as well because the way you 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 kind of turn the muscles around and so on and so on it has some sort of trigger points when the when that contraction is kind of greater than it will be just if you're just lying down it's almost like when you've seen on tv those uh apps kind of the belts when you're sitting and watching the tv and eating the, the some fast food and you're making the six pack it's kind of 
in theory, actually, it works. It's it's real as it is, but it's that's why probably a lot of people doubting what we're doing because they have that picture from '90s seeing people on the on the TV that they have this belt. But the technology is pretty much the same. But we're using the world body uh, technology, and because we get you to the moose as well, it's pretty much enhancing the impact of the electromuscle stimulation. Got it. Got it. I won't go any deeper into it right now. Uh, I'm interested, but. Um... It, we'll stick on the business side as much as we can. So yeah. you've got this EMS technology that you've discovered via your physio because you had an injury. What next? How did? When did you say, okay, I'm going to turn this into a business and how did that happen? Uh, we've seen these micro concepts of the technology, the why it's kind of been around. Then I've seen the technology, then I've seen the business concepts in Europe. It's very huge in Germany uh, specifically because the technology is um, kind of made in Germany in a way. And currently they will have maybe 2000 uh, studios over there. Uh, so I've seen the concept. It was also in in, uh, in Hungary. So uh, we, we introduced it into Slovakia in our, I had like empty property where we were looking to kind of put some business into it. Uh, so the, the original business plan was to stick with my businesses that I was still doing. So I was still at that time selling these electric products. I was still uh, having uh, being in real estate. And this was kind of like a, I would say, side job that uh, Susanna, my wife at that time, was pregnant with our first uh, uh, daughter. And she was looking for something like low maintenance business within our property. So we have the great tenant. We have the business out of it. Uh, so that was a, our original business plan to do it in Slovakia, just as that small kind of one studio and utilizing the technology, using it for myself and also offer the service in our city. And then I reached out to a friend of mine, Roland, who I knew from, from Australia when we were traveling around and offered him to kind of open the same concept in, uh, in Australia. Got it. So you've opened it across, well, in Europe, and then you've opened it in Australia as well. Um, what led you to coming to Australia to focus on the business? Uh, the failure. <laughs> <laughs> failure in Europe or failure in Australia? In, in, in Australia, because we were pretty much in Europe. As I said, I was kind of well, well off set up in my businesses. We were kind of doing very well. We had this business and I took the money from Slovakia and I said, hey, I'm going to invest them to Australia. Our original business plan was to not go to Australia, stay in Europe, uh, work with Roland. He will run the business. We've made the partnership that we're going to invest the money. He's going to be the guy who's going to run it. And uh, and my business plan was if I can get three months out of this business, bored of traveling in Australia every year, it will be amazing lifestyle. So that was that was the idea that we came into this business. And a couple of months later, we found out that it's not the case. The Roland kind of couldn't get it off the ground and it was not working and the amount of money because as i mentioned the economics in in slovakia are very different to to australia so pretty much the money we burn in in australia to get this business off the ground will will get us probably 30 years of decent life in slovakia so i could kind of retire without doing anything when i was 28 i thought okay i'm not ready to retire but a couple of months later with burning all this money i was like wow this is getting serious I need to start taking care of this money, otherwise it's going to sink us down. And that was that would made us to come to Australia. Gotcha. How many locate? Was it just one location in Australia at that stage? Yes, we yeah. pretty much opened with one location with one EMS kind of machine, very small model. Uh, but from 
again, from our point of view, from Slovakian point of view, it was a huge amount of money to pay for feed out here, uh, to get the site up and running, to get the lease and everything. Uh, so yeah, but it was just one location. And when we saw that it's not working, we decided to move here. But obviously, because it wasn't our plan, then we need to figure out how to actually come to Australia. And we realized we're not meeting any requirements, so we had to go for student visa. So I was actually first two years here as an international student, going two days a week to school and trying to work between those days. And actually, that was the same situation for Roland. So we didn't really think through the world model because both of us were on student visa, trying to balance the business as well as the immigration uh, uh, kind of like what the requirements, yeah. This episode of Sticky Beak is brought to you by Digital Deluxe. If you're sick of digital agencies that overpromise and underdeliver, you need to speak to Digital Deluxe. We can't guarantee miracles, but we can guarantee great service and a logical ROI-focused approach. Visit www.digitaldeluxe.com.au forward slash stickybeak to access our special offer for Sticky Beak listeners. Yeah, it's not really easy to get into Australia if you don't have existing family or anything like that. So you basically went back to the setup that you had when you finished school, right? You were studying and running, trying to run a business at the same time, just a bit Actually, further down the track. You're absolutely right. It was, uh, I remember sitting probably like one year in, in Australia and we're thinking going from our amazing house and, and lifestyle situation in Slovakia, sitting in in, in, in Australia in a kind of more less than average house uh struggling to go to school sitting with all these guys who are coming kind of like very young and trying to just come to australia uh and i'm sitting there with them i have to be there and i'm thinking about my investment i have already one-year-old kid at home i was like wow this is not exactly what we planned for but yeah <laughs> how old were you at this stage i was 20 we moved here 20 i would say 29 to 30 yeah, yeah, yeah that time yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was, uh, what was that like, 2013 or something like that? Yes, 2013, uh, in July 2013, that's when we, when I signed up for this like certificate in fitness. And then I was studying for one and a half, two years uh, to get my PR. So I need to go through certificate in fitness and then I signed up myself for diploma in fitness and that allowed me to kind of sponsor myself uh, through, through visa as a permanent resident in Australia. Gotcha. Did it not cross your mind to just shut that business down and stay in Slovakia? Absolutely. And uh, it wasn't, yeah, it came to the point, to be honest, before it become like really good business, we came to that point. It was really, really not going anywhere. And I said, uh, I remember the time when I sent Susanna with my little one home and I was like, I don't want you to see that, how it's going to kind of end up. I'm going to fold it here and I'll come back after you. Um, so we pretty much done it that way that I borrow last money. I get uh, my mom to help me with the, with the flight tickets. I relocated them. And then I sat the withdrawal and I remember we went to one Irish pub and thinking, okay, this is it. I can't fund any more this company because we're coming to the really serious situation from the money point of view. Uh, what can we do? Let's fork it out something in 30 days. Can we turn this thing around or are we pretty much uh, ending up and I'm not paying his salary anymore at that time as well. So he was like, oh, okay, I can start selling something uh, outside of Speedfit. I was like, let's focus on Speedfit, how we can do it. Pretty much we agreed that day or that night in that Irish pub that we're gonna get a TV exposure. 
and we'll do anything that is possible to reach out to TV and make sure that we can run some sort of segment of speed feed on TV. And that's what pretty much we did. It took us maybe one week or maybe 10 days to every day call all the TVs until the channel seven today, tonight in WA, that's kind of like the program at around 7 p.m. They said, yes, we're gonna run the, the show if you can secure someone who is well known as an athlete who can kind of test your technology and say on camera what he thinks. So after seven or 10 days, we had this kind of segment. And then we started to looking from our clients, obviously we're two international students with no connections in Australia. How are we gonna find out someone who is famous and, and be able to endorse our product? Uh, so we are very lucky that we had maybe 50 clients at that time, but they're really nice people and they really wanted to help us. They understood our situation. So when we came to them and asked them to, to provide some names, they started to bring in some people and say, hey, I know someone who is Olympic swimmer. I know someone who is, you know, uh, I know people from Perth Glory. Until one client came and said that he knows um, someone as agent of Soa the Hulk, who was the first MMA fighter in Australia. And it's very public, uh, really well-known figure here in Perth. And uh, and then we called to TV and we said, hey, we have all these people. And they said, oh, if you ever saw the Hulk, we're gonna do it. So then we called Soa the Hulk and we told him, hey, we got a segment on TV, we're gonna be there. If you wanna have a free exposure, you're very welcome to join us. If not, that's that's okay. But if you wanna have it for free, we can, we can get you on, on board. Because we obviously couldn't even afford to pay him. So we tried to, to play it in a way that we already got a TV secured and, and that pretty much worked out and it's changed our business and it changed our business completely. So you got that TV segment, uh, which is awesome. And <laughs> I'm impressed with how you guys hustled to get that sorted. Uh, what happened after that? Was it, did it blow up? Like, did you get flooded with inquiries or how, how, how did it look? Yeah, no, it was it was exactly what you're saying, kind of like it was just amazing. I, I remember at that time when the TV said, "Yes, we're gonna run the thing." I called Susanna and said, "Hey, come to uh, come to Australia. We're gonna make it." And uh, and then she was like, "Are you kidding me?" And it still took maybe two months to get actually on TV, but I just was so confident that this is gonna happen that even I took like the last last money that we got, I maxed out my credit cards and we actually opened the second location because I just felt like we need to show people that we, there is a confidence behind this business. We can really do it, it's not just one location. And I remember we had this um, Google Analytics set up on our website and we were looking live, what's gonna happen? And I remember seeing like 10 people, 20 people, 30, 100, 200, 500,000. I was like, wow, all these people coming to our website because of the TV and then just crashed. I was like, what's going on? Because we didn't set up the website to kind of cope with the traffic. So we didn't think that through completely. And we lost the traffic for a couple of, uh, couple of days. Uh, but that excitement was amazing. And I remember being on a phone call with Roland and he was like, I need to, I need to go because I have so many phone calls. Pretty much in three days time, we sold membership worth of $50,000. We went from 50 clients in one location to 250 clients in that location and 170 clients in the other location. And it just turned out the, the business completely. Uh, I remember having people, your website is down. I was like, yeah, sorry. Ah, of course, I saw it on TV. I knew that it will happen. Everyone wants to do it. How much is the membership? And will, or can I buy the three memberships? And we're like, man, it's $3,000, like the world full year membership. Do you take Amex? And it's like, yeah, we do. Okay, I'll take three. We were like, <laughs> what? Like people are waiting months to get in. It was such a, it's, it, was, it was amazing. 
Yeah, that, that's really impressive. And I'm mostly impressed at how confident you were that it was going to work before <laughs> it even went to air. Uh, what, because I mean, A, you told Susanna to fly back, which is a yeah. massive move on its own after you'd already sent her home with your child. And then yeah. you also opened up another location. Um, what gave you so much confidence that that segment, like not questioning the the proposition you were putting forward, but how, why were you so confident that that segment would deliver so much inquiry? I don't know. Maybe I was just, uh, just naive. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like when I look back, I don't know. I was just so, I, I just, you just feel it. Sometimes you just feel it like this is it. I, I, for no reason, when I look back, you're right. Probably there was no logical reason why it will work. I just felt like that because in our head, we thought the TV will make that. So we really believe into that. And yeah. that's what happens. Sometimes you just need to kind of really believe in things and, and that will follow. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, in hindsight, maybe you should have opened up three locations if you probably <laughs> didn't have the resources to do it. But yeah, I know. I was, you did. Yeah, now that was pretty much, I remember that we kind of opened and we even have a suppliers, we were th like one of our clients was our plumber and we told him, look, we give you membership for now and then we'll pay you later. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So you did that. Um, where did the, I mean, you're obviously self-funding it for a fair while, but I'm aware that you were on Shark Tank as well. Um, can you talk us through that experience? And you had a pretty decent, I mean, a lot of people go on there and just get slapped in the face and they walk away with the tail between their legs, but you had the opposite experience and you still walked away with no money. Can you <laughs> tell me about that experience? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was another amazing experience of this Australian journey and this uh, speedfit journey. Uh, I remember just watching this uh, show because I, I loved it, obviously, because there was so many great stories. And I was sitting in a in a living room watching the TV and my wife was like, why don't apply? Like, it seems like the speedfit is perfect product for it. And I was like, yeah, maybe, you know, not sure. And then sorry, just to get context, what stage was this post the today tonight thing and things were going smoothly? Yeah, there were two things between uh, that in terms of journey. We had these two locations and then after a bit of time, we wanted to expand more location and open more locations. So we get on board uh, one of our a couple of our clients, Shad and Nima, and they help us to kind of fund another three locations, another four locations actually. So we already had six locations. We had a partner who helped us to kind of fund those businesses. And uh, so we had six locations in WA and we are not thinking about the franchise. We're not thinking about massive expansion yet, uh, but it was already going very well, those six locations. And uh, then we were kind of thinking what will be the next move. And then when I saw, I kind of get back to me what Susanna said, go and try to apply for a chart. And I was like, okay, that might be actually next push for us. And it might show us the direction where we want to be uh, to kind of expand. Because obviously coming from Slovakia, for me, having a business in Sydney is something iconic. I, in my head, I visualize, okay, the bridge, the opera, I can get a business there. That will be like top of my world. If I can achieve that, nothing can stop me. That was, that was in my head at the time. So the Sydney expansion was really really something that I wanted to do. Uh, so yeah, we applied, we get selected, the guys, the, the like production team came here for uh, like uh, just the first round to see what the businesses are, are about. I remember we were still so busy with Roland that we didn't even have time to prepare. I just told him maybe 15 minutes before I said like, hey, by the way, at 10 o'clock, we need to be in that building and what are we doing? I just applied for this bloody thing. 
I'll explain you later. You'll go there, we'll tell them what we're doing. Uh, we came there, we just grabbed like vests, like pieces of equipment. And we went there and was like, hey guys, we're really busy. If we can just show you what we're doing and, and take it from here. And we started explaining. We didn't have anything pre uh, prepared. The guys were looking at us. We still don't get it. What are you actually doing? So we came to them, we showed them the video uh, of today, tonight or something like, oh, can we try it today? And we're like, yeah, we can organize this before you fly out back to, back to Sydney. They went for the session and the producer, I remember, just texted me and it's like, man, I love it. This is amazing. You're going to be on, on TV because there's several stages when you need to go through. But he was so confident. He just texted me on the way back uh, on East Coast. And it's like, no, nah, guys, this is, this is something that we're looking for. This is the show is about to show the different product, your story from coming from different country. This is what we want to run. So we were super pumped. Uh, and then we started to preparing ourselves as how we can actually deliver the pitch because we didn't have a skill set. My English was actually very poor for a couple of years. Uh, Roland used to send emails on my behalf or he corrected those emails because my English was very, I would say, touristic level, not the business at all. Uh, so that was one thing that I had to kind of improve my English and also the presentation skills. So I remember we hired someone like a coach and, uh, and doing few, a few gigs. Uh, even for uh, angel investors here in Perth, just to kind of get the feedback uh, and kind of pro uh, prepare ourselves for the for the live show. Very cool. And then you went on the show, and what happened from there? Uh, that's what we wanted. We wanted to really excite them, and we really want to get the offer to show them that our business is worth it. We were not exactly seeking the deal, to be honest. We were more going there to for exposure and prove our point. Because at that time when we had six locations, when we wanted to expand some of the landlords uh, and businesses coming to us and we're saying, ah, this business is fat, we don't want to do business with you. Even when we applied for the tenancy, we had a rejection and they're saying, sorry, this business is not really good. So I was really fueled by that to kind of show and prove everyone, hey, come on guys, this is real business. We can actually make it happen. So as soon as we got the offer from them, we felt kind of like this is it, uh, you know. And, we were, and the offer they gave us was such off what we were asking for. Even like if you were considered to make offer, it was very, very weird. Like the number was, we were asking for like, I don't remember, maybe two mil or something. And they value our business for 900,000. Uh, so we were kind of like, no, there's no deal, nothing happening. But as you know, probably in a, in a TV show, there's a lot of production, a lot of stress. There is a lot of adrenaline. And they were kind of talking to us, just go to the back and start talking about this and consider the offer. And we're like, there's nothing to consider. Like, it's so off what you want to do. And like, just guys, come on, let's go to the back. So we went there and for some reason we started to talk and, and we even wanted to make a deal. For all the, <laughs> like, it, it's all like when you look back, we were like, what we were actually doing in front of this camera? Like, it sounds like nonsense, but pretty much we went back and we tell them like, here's our country offer. But the moment I said it out loud, I was like, oh, this is not right. Like, I don't, don't want to actually do it. But because of the environment, you, you feel that way. Uh, and as soon as they said no, we were like, oh, perfect. They said, no, we've done our thing. Let, let's go and build a business from there. Yeah, very cool. So you got the vindication essentially. And it was Janine, right? The uh, Janine Alice, the Boost Juice founder who put the offer forward. It was yep. essentially a million bucks and you said no, uh, catch you yep. later. It's pretty interesting, the, the whole dynamic though, isn't it? Like you, <laughs> it was half, it sounds like, or maybe less than half what you wanted and you were still considering taking it. And it's that whole compulsion thing to please people, particularly with the cameras and the bright lights on you. It's, you know, 
it makes me think how many people have made deals on that show and really, really regretted it later on. It seems very much in the favor of the Sharks. Probably you're right. Like uh, I know there's a lot of due diligence as well. At that stage, we were not confident to to make the deal as well because I always looking for a maybe perfection. That's maybe probably my uh, my weak side. And I felt like our business is not ready to take someone on board because we we didn't have the systems yet and and so on and so on. Uh, so I didn't feel like that person will kind of see as much value. Obviously now when I look back, probably that person like specifically Janine will probably. Imp- uh, implement those systems and procedures into our business. Uh, but uh, yeah, I agree with you that probably a lot of businesses are there under the pressure. They really want to make a deal. Uh, the Sharks know why they're there. This, the thing is set up that way. And also Jenny was so confident and you can see on that show that she were kind of commenting that we will be silly to not take her deal. The reality is she knew that we are interested in her. The production asked me, is there any shark that you would like to make a deal with? And as I was very straightforward. I said, like, hey, I think Janine is the best. Like, if anyone, I will say yes, it will be her. So, obviously, it seems like she got that information from them. And she's coming to the party with the information. I know these guys want to make the deal with me. This is what I'm trying to push on. So, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. So, <laughs> great story, by the way. Um the next thing that I'm interested to chat about is um, COVID. So a lot of businesses, particularly like gyms, personal trading studios, really, really struggled through COVID. Obviously, Melbourne in particular with the extended lockdowns. Um, but you use that period to great effect. Can you talk us through how COVID actually helped with your expansion? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, was yeah it's it's as bad as it sounds like it was a COVID. uh it's put a lot of pressure on a lot of businesses we were as we started this discussion about the wa versus victoria we were very lucky that original lockdown back in march 2020 was only eight weeks here in wa uh it was 12 weeks in new south wales but it was much longer in victoria so that pressure uh or that lockdown kind of put a lot of pressure on the small business owners. And we had uh, someone who was doing very similar business that we are doing as well. Uh, We will consider him as a great competitor to us. Uh, Funny story, then when we went through the due diligence, I actually found out from him that he used to be in Europe. He knew someone who was my classmate from the school when I was studying here in Perth. And he told him back in Switzerland about me running EMS business in Europe. And then he went actually to Europe and set up the business in Melbourne because of this story. I found it later. So it was very, very interesting to find it that way. Uh, but pretty much that situation put a lot of pressure on him. He was in a very similar situation. I was a couple of years before he was here. He didn't have a stu- uh, he didn't have a visa sorted. He wasn't a permanent resident. So as soon as the, uh, uh, the lockdown was introduced, he kind of left back to France and then he got stuck there. So it was a very unfortunate situation for him. And I can completely understand how he felt because the same thing will happen to me if this COVID thing, for example, happened in 2014 or 15, I'll be pretty much on the same page with him, having all this location, uh, put so much money and, and energy into it. But because of my visa situation, wouldn't let me to stay in Australia. I would just need to leave. Uh, so there was a combination of these things that, that happened, uh, but pretty much we saw is this amazing opportunity to expand to Melbourne. We always wanted to do it. Uh, we knew that Melbourne is an amazing place to be for our type of exercise. It's an indoor recreation. The weather is not as good as in Perth. A lot of people love to do indoor recreation and indoor training. Uh, 
uh, and we saw them as a competitor there. So acquiring them as a competitor and coming to the market was just amazing opportunity that we didn't want to miss on. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much what we, uh, what kind of led us the COVID made it happen that from his goals to kind of grow that network from here at that time, three locations, he wanted to grow it to more, obviously he had to stuck in, in, in Europe. So we took that as an opportunity and, and acquired all these locations from him, rebranded and now we're running them as the, as the Speedfeed locations. Yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. And how's it going now? Cause you know, it's been obviously a bit of an ongoing thing. Um, have you been able to make those locations profitable or is it a work in progress? It's, I would say, work in progress. Uh, we've had really good, strong start in uh, in November, December, January, when people after the lockdown uh, really wanted to start exercising. We have really good system. We also inherited amazing team of people uh, that he selected. So we're kind of working with them. We only improved the procedures, systems. We rebranded. So everything what makes our business strong in terms of the marketing and how we operate the business. We introduced that, we upskilled all our employees. So the efficiency went up uh, significantly. And uh, and that was kind of really good until we came to these kind of short lockdowns again and people started to doubt what's going on. And now we're back in lockdown again. So I would say they're on on the way. If there will be no lockdowns, I'm sure we'll be, we'll be much better off. Yeah, yeah, no doubt you've got a pretty interesting model that you're starting to introduce as well for to help people get involved with speed fit from a business perspective um and i understand it comes from a point of wanting to help people get into having their own businesses which is obviously a maybe part of your slovakian roots um can you tell us a little bit about that model and what you're rolling out uh yeah it's uh as, as you said it's pretty much the kind of desire or kind of vision for people to own their own business rather than kind of be an employee and we when we started with franchise that was actually one of the reasons why we started with the franchise uh, uh, in the first place because we saw amazing people working for us but we know that business model can only provide you into with a salary to the certain level but if you growing and then you want to establish your family, you want to have a kids and you want to have something better out of the life, you pretty much need to move on to maybe different position that just as a personal trainer, you need to really kind of move through the ranks in a, in a industry. But many of those guys actually are just amazing operators and providing that amazing service. And our business is all about this. We have this EMS technology, but everyone's coming because of the amazing customer service and that relationship. Uh, so kind of create a model that we can take these guys on a journey and going them from getting them from instructor all the way to studio manager and then to the franchise owner. It was something that we always wanted to do. Obviously not every, uh, every employee or everyone has $200,000 to set up the full franchise and their own studio. So when we got the inquiry from one of our uh, manager to open a location and we kind of sell, like funded her into the business and kind of established the relationship 50-50. And we've seen that that studio become number one studio in performance in Australia. We thought, wow, this is actually a cool model that we can get our people, even with that $200,000, rather with small amount of money, and we can get them on board and we can run the business with them. And in five years, they might even acquire 100% out of us, but at least we provide them with that, uh, with that part and they can really be successful in what they're doing. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And for people who might be interested in taking part in that program, what sort of 
who are you looking for for that and what sort of process do they need to go through? Usually it's uh, it's the owner operators like this model when we're talking partnership model you really need to work full time for us so it's pretty much for people who are from from uh, wellness industry health uh, uh, physios personal trainers anyone who is really enjoying himself or herself in the studio every day with the clients we can take care of all the business operations we know how to run the marketing we know how to run the all the procedures so it's kind of taking away from you the stress from owning the business because you have us on board plus you have the franchise concept on top of it and then you can really enjoy what you like to do to really provide amazing service to the clients and and take them on a journey and get the results for them so really for those owner operators who are looking to to kind of step up and and own the business by themselves and started to kind of learn uh, and build themselves as a, as a small business owners. Yeah, for sure. It might sound like I'm trying to sell this a little bit, but it's, it's a great opportunity because you've been through that, you know, you spent a decade or more doing the hard work, making the mistakes, losing money, almost going out of business to build this model and this system. So people can invest and well, invest in themselves firstly, but also get access to this system without spending 10 years plus to figure out how to make it work and also gain leverage because it's an established brand and business. So very cool opportunity. What's the um, starting investment rate for anyone that might be interested in it? Uh, I would say starting will be at least $50,000. The sweet spot is $100,000 when you can go almost straight away to 49%. We have we just doing one deal now in WA where we're getting someone on twenty five percent shareholding with a fifty thousand dollars, and then we kind of progressing them further. Yeah, cool, cool. So obviously, being a business owner is pretty stressful, Mate, and um, you've got a pretty good experience with you know physical training and wellness and all that sort of thing. What do you do to keep yourself in check or keep your sanity in check outside of business? Good question. Very good question. Then I would say the training is the one thing. Like uh, I will, I live my Australian dream. I live by the coast on the beach. So running on the beach morning with the great music—that's something that just yeah you can't beat. And it's kind of remind me all the movies when I was young, and you see all these movies back in you know like Central Europe without ocean and without proper sun. Uh, it's it's something that really gets me get me going. Uh, things like this, pretty much, yeah, ex- exercise, reading a lot of books. Uh, I do now a lot of uh, these uh, kind of like the, how we call it, Wim Hof method that you go and kind of put yourself. So I have like a really ice plunge in my garage and go there for five minutes every morning. So that always get me in a check, this nine degrees water. Uh, things like this that I really enjoy yeah, to yeah. do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do a bit of the wind stuff as well. Uh, particularly oh, cool. like through the lockdown, I was into the breathing and I was doing yep. cold showers. I didn't get the bath, but uh, I've got back into the cold showers properly lately. And it's really hard in Melbourne because it, it gets cold and the water in the morning is very cold, but uh, it's great stuff. I definitely recommend that to anyone. Definitely breaks. I started with the showers as well. And the water wasn't as cold as in Melbourne because we went to the summer. So then I saw, okay, I can buy actually the fridge, put the water in it and so on and so on. So now I have the Melbourne water in my, in my fridge. So using a, a fridge like laid down to, yeah, cool, cool. It's, it's like a chest freezer that, I don't know, maybe like 300 liters or something. You just put water in it and you set it up on like minimum level. You got like filtration system there and I just open it, get in 
nine degrees, stay for five minutes and, uh, and that gets you really in the check with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Really focuses the mind, doesn't it? Yes. And you're doing the breathing as well. Uh, I stopped doing it to be honest. I was doing it during the lockdown. That was the thing that I, I had a uh, thing. Uh, but now it's just the, just, uh, the pool. Yeah. 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 It's pretty crazy. The breath retention, isn't it? It's mm. that you should, oh, I was shocked myself at how long I could hold my breath for with the, I was doing the exercise. Yeah. 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 No, I, in 30, in 30 days or something, I build myself to more than two minutes or something, maybe like three minutes or something. And yeah. I said to my wife and she's like, Are you kidding? I, I remember once it's kind of like turned me off for, for a while that I was like, kind of like, I don't know if I lost like consciousness or something for a bit. <laughs> And then I kind of came back and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm testing the system out. It seems cool, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is very cool. Yeah. My, my partner won't watch it because it freaks her out that you're holding your breath for that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And what about influences on your success? Um, would you say that anyone in particular has sort of inspired you or motivated you or helped you along the journey? Uh, many, many people like I, as I mentioned, I love reading. So there's a lot of books that I read and it's really get, uh, get yourself into that environment. So it's really shape your mind. I found it like they always say that you become who your environment is. And if you are so busy and I not from Australia, so I don't have so many mates here, like from the, from the childhood and so on, then the book I found it's amazing alternative to get you into that space and you makes you feel and live like you have those successful friends around you because you're kind of getting into your head. Uh, so that was probably the biggest influence uh, for me to really uh, read all these amazing books. Uh, and yeah, and things like this, I always find someone that I want to chase. That's probably for my sport as well. So I look at some successful people and go, okay, what are they doing? And I try to kind of replicate. I try to compare with themselves. Uh, and, and kind of push our business to the next level with other businesses and other entrepreneurs as well. And uh, I remember the, the, the big influence was probably like two years ago, I think, or three years ago now, we went to Tony Robbins in Sydney. And I didn't even know what who is, is actually, to be honest. I just wanted to get myself challenged to go to this fire thing. And I took uh, Susanna as well, and she was like, what's going on? We're going shopping to Sydney? I was like, no, no, we're actually going to this thing. And when she saw that it's like five days for 12 hours, she was like, no way. Like, I'm not going to do that for five. Like, this guy has to be out of the like way. Like, how it can entertain me for 12 hours? And it was one of the best things we ever done. And then kind of kicked me back again and, and things like this. So I think it's definitely good to... To, to look up for things like this, the venues that you know they will kick you and, and you find your motivation again and, and kind of uh, recheck probably with your, your goals and what you want to do and, and continue going. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite book or what's your number one book recommendation? Wow, that is a, that's a good question. Uh, I would say there is a book, Napoleon Hill. What was the name? Uh, I have it somewhere here. Which is like the pretty much the or something like that. The... Yeah, it's kind of like the the name that how to be how to be wealthy and no, or like kind of how to get your mindset set up. And I strongly believe in that. It's pretty much like a book of the books for me. And whenever I share it with someone, I'll pa pass it to them because it says like how you need to strongly visualize what you want to do. Thinking grow and, rich is that it? Yes, yes, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. yeah, yes, and that's that's pretty much for me, like a Bible for, for a lot of things, like 
whenever I need to, I need to go back to that. I think that's just the gold for everything. Like they kind of, even Tony Robbins, when you go there, it's pretty much almost he referring back to those sort of principles. And you find out that almost everyone who is successful going, you need to visualize first. You need to believe in yourself, what's going on. And I remember even for myself, it works 100%. When I was a kid, I wanted to live somewhere by the coast, having house with a pool. That's what I have now here. When I was here, it wasn't actually my house. It was rented. It wasn't the best one, but it was still has a pool. So sometimes you may be more specific what you wish for. Uh, but I remember running on the beach, listening to music and visualizing what I want. I want to have the business in Sydney. I want to have this and this. And it pretty much will happen if you if you can visualize enough and, and make it almost like feel like it's reality. I think eventually you get there. So I think this is the strongest, uh, yeah, strongest thing that influenced me. Yeah, great advice. The subconscious is a very powerful thing. Yes. Before we wrap up, what's the number one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's thinking about starting or is in the process of starting their own business? Give it a go. That's that's definitely give it a go. Uh, when you ask me when we started from Slovakia, we had the deal with my wife when because we are not really from like a wealthy environment coming and we uh, she used to grow up with a small two-bedroom apartment. She told me if you can guarantee that we after all that we still can go back to the basics, I'm willing to bet like to, to do everything and see how it goes. And because life is so short to kind of just waste your time, I will just say everyone give it a go because you never know when it gets you. Just set up, set something for yourself, like a minimum level you don't go to be, uh, below and, and just see where you can take it. Yeah, great advice. I think a lot of people fail to do that. They don't articulate what the worst case situation is. And often it's it's not that bad. And But they get caught up on all these, you know, fear things that aren't really realistic and that stops them from taking that first step. So great advice there. For anyone that wants to check you out online, also for people who are interested in the SpeedFit um, partnership model or even a full franchise, where would you direct people? Our website, speedfit.com.au, you'll find all the information there and our team will take care of you as soon as you submit the application. Uh, they will contact you and explain all the details. Fantastic. Thanks a lot for your time today, Mate. Thanks so much, Dan, for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Sticky Beak. If you've got any feedback or suggestions for guests or topics you'd like us to cover, just send it through to info at stickybeak.com.au.